Welcome to the first ever Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta, and I am really excited to just be on a journey with you because we have different groups in different places that meet at different times, and we're a quickly growing community. And so this podcast is going to serve as a place for us to stay connected around some of our vision and our values and just the things that are on our hearts, as well as sharing people's stories. I really do believe in the power of story because that's where we can see into someone else's life and maybe even identify with themselves. You know, have you ever heard a story where like, man, that happened to me or something similar happened to me or you're going through something and you're like, okay, I can make it through because I heard someone else go through that. And so we're going to share stories. We're going to share vision. We're going to talk about what we're talking about in the way groups. So there, I am really excited to see this. And for this first episode, we've got two very key leaders um, within Way Church, and that is Chris Dalglish and Steve Lamar. And so welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome, Steve. Hello there. All right. Is this your, both of you, first time on a podcast? Yes. Yep. Okay. So this is, this is a new experience kind of getting into podcasting and just to get to know me a little bit, I did host a podcast, um, for a number of years, um, on the intersection of faith and mental health. And I really enjoyed having those conversations. And so when Chris asked me if I'd be a part of this, I was like, absolutely. Like, this is going to be fun to just to gather as a church kind of in this online way. And so I want to get to know you guys a little bit because these two are going to be the ones that are going to be on the show a lot, and we're going to talk about all kinds of different things. But before we go any further, we want to get to know each other because this is a highly relational church. And so one of the best ways to start this off is to get to know each other. And I will say off the top that these two are cousins. And so this first question, there's going to be a little bit of overlap because the first question is, tell me a bit about your family. And so why don't we start with Chris and then we'll have Steve jump in. My family, the Dalglish family, has been here for a couple hundred years, kind of living in this area, uh, settled down in Bimbrook. And then our shared family, mine and Steve's uh, family, the York family, uh, have been in this area for a while, kind of came here from the Ottawa Valley region. Um, and so the property that we're actually recording this on uh, is my grandfather's uh, plot of land from when he uh, got married and had my mother. And so uh, we actually are currently on uh, the old York family homestead. So uh, that's just some great history that uh, Steve and I both share. My wife's name is Kara. Uh, she's a grade six, seven teacher at Belmore in Bimbrook. And uh, my daughters are Rylan, who is almost 12, uh, Addison, who's 10, and Josette, who is seven. Yeah, so stepping into the family history a bit, uh, my last name is Lamar, but that's a an adopted name for my dad's side. I'm originally a Trudel. Uh, so French, either way you look at it. Uh, but my family today, I have my beautiful wife, Sharon. Uh, we have our oldest daughter, Serafina, who is nine. We call her Sarah. Uh, we have our middle daughter, Serena, who is seven. And we have our son, Silas, who is six. And uh, they keep us nice and busy. But Sharon right now is working for a preschool as a site supervisor in the town that we live in. Very good. It is just cool to see how in a church family that we have a 
biological family as well. And the two of you are actually working quite closely together. And I've heard in other contexts, it said that with cousins, Chris was always the leader. And that is still the case in this yeah. case. Yeah. But I'd like to know a little bit of what this leadership may have looked like as a teenager. Oh, as a teenager. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we were... Uh... I don't know how it started, and I was thinking about it this week. We used to split our cousin groups up because there was all all kinds of boys in our main York family cousin group. And we used to split them up where it would be like myself and our cousin Michael and then Steve's younger brother Al. And we'd kind of like, I don't know if it was because we played baseball or basketball together and they tried to make the teams fair. One of the uncles must have come up with the idea of putting making the teams fair so they're they, they're created kind of groups so there's always these groups and then we go and we play whatever ninjas or gi joe or whatever we were and it was like the one group versus the other group and uh i don't know i, I remember growing up with that dynamic where we didn't always play together we'd show up and you know me and mike and al would run off and you and aj and the other couple guys would run off but i do remember us always having like these epic uh you know backyard wars and uh Oh, yeah. Getting into to trouble as much as we possibly could. But out of the simple curiosities of life, we were curious about life uh, and what what limits we could push. Like, how far can I swing on this rope in the barn without smacking my teeth, which I did. Yes. <laughs> so you found out. Yeah, yes. I found out. <laughs> we also, I was, I was an encourager. I, kind of, I still am an encourager. But I would often encourage my younger cousins and siblings to try things that perhaps I wouldn't uh, because I knew that they were probably not safe. Um, so I kind of got a reputation as, as an encourager and I think it stuck with me to, I just turned 40, so for 40 years I'm still an encouraging force, but I hope for the good now. Yeah, now it's more of a pastoral thing where before it was, uh, hey Chris, what do you think about this idea? That's a great idea, you go ahead and do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'll stay here. Yeah. Yeah, don't jump off the stairs with a plastic bag to see if it works as a parachute. It or try does. making a blimp out of a sub bag. Yeah, yeah, it also does not work. Oof, yeah, the fire. Yeah. 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 It's funny because in, in my two sides of the family, like, I'm the third oldest of six on my mom's side. And, but two of, my one cousin and I are just a couple months apart. So we were in school together. Actually, one year we were the grade four class in our Christian private school. It was us. And the teacher had a three, four split. And I guess she really did want to split us up because she made the two of us face the opposite side of the room, which <laughs> thinking about it now, I was like, that's kind of weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember one time, one of our younger cousins was really bothering us. And so we, we had taken him, we were at their house and the property didn't have a fence at the time, and but it went kind of off onto this hill and by this creek. And so we took our younger cousin for a walk, like he was in like the wagon and whatever. And he was getting really annoying, and we just got tired of it. So we just went down by the creek and left him there. And <laughs> and eventually we're asked later, like, where is he? And it's like, um, down there. <laughs> and then my other side of the family, I only have one cousin, and I'm 18 years older. So that, like, there was no really growing up together, right? I've always, it's almost more of an uncle thing. Like, even still now, like, he's 12. 
and we'll be like kind of confused because he does have like cousins his age on other parts of his family and she's like you're not my uncle but you're old <laughs> so how does this work yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh family fun right like always have oh yeah good family times growing up and so when you're not with your families and you're not doing your work and you've both had interesting and varied careers but what do you like to do you know you just let's say you have a free saturday night to yourself you're at home alone what would you want to do mm, at home alone uh, if you know me very well, I have an extensive collection of vintage toys, so I might go down and look at them, stare at them, and wonder what I can add or take away to that collection. And uh, or uh, I often will, you know, hop on the Xbox and play some some games. Or uh, if it's a Saturday night, I'm probably watching the Leafs. Let's just be honest. There, I'm gonna be that the TV will be on and the Maple Leafs will definitely be. Plan. And they need your encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. Many, many <laughs> prayers. They definitely need encouragement. It's not many working. Prayers, many prayers. Yeah, we we will have intercession every Saturday afternoon. I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> Montreal family, born and raised. Not gonna. Not going against my team. Yeah. They also need intercession. <laughs> it's also true. They just haven't needed it as long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my side's a lot nerdier. Um, honestly, I really enjoy getting into deep Bible study on my own. So my spare time, if I'm totally alone, is often spent writing sermons. Uh, I don't even really preach sermons, but uh, yet. I yeah yet. But uh, I really enjoy preparing them and just getting deep into the knowledge there. Uh, if I'm not doing that, I'm preparing for Pathfinder, which is a tabletop role-playing game it's based off dungeons and dragons but uh, i could spend days digging into that something to point out here too is that one thing i'm really looking forward to at this podcast is when we have some of those more biblical topics that we're going to cover steve's really going to help us understand the passage and do some research and preparation and i love talking about the bible with steve because there's always something interesting. Oh, did you know that this word actually like means this or whatever insight? And we want to do this in a real and relational way. Like we're not just showing off by saying, oh, I know a Greek word for something. But sometimes there's actually a value to know because we get, we're going to talk about this in another episode, but the Bible being something that was translated from different languages, sometimes in English you can very easily miss what a writer might have been saying or multiple translations will say different things. And so in order to truly understand going back to the original language, something was written in is an ideal thing, an ideal thing to do. Right. And so that's one of the things I enjoy, you know, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd as well. And so I enjoy like diving in and understanding why was that said? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't always, doesn't always come naturally reading it in English. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I love digging into the context, getting into what language they're using, what is the context of their story, so what is going on around in the culture. And so 
honestly, you're going to want to stay tuned to this podcast because we're going to get into some of those things. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, and we're likely going to learn on the spot too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Like this is all relational. I have a couple questions in mind so far. I've asked two of them and we've been having this conversation. This is meant to be a very natural conversation, but we are going to really want to help people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And now all three of us are in ministry in different forms. And so we'll start with, with Steve. Why don't you tell us a little bit of your journey because you are a recently licensed pastor. And so why don't you tell us just a little bit of your, your journey into being a pastor? Oh, I'm going to keep this short because it is a long story with a big adventure. Uh, but short version, when I was 11, I first felt the call to ministry and I had no idea what that would look like. Uh, I dealt with a lot of struggles through the way, uh, ended up working for a few different churches in different roles, uh, mostly tech, so IT or audiovisual. I had multiple jobs along the way that were sort of supportive of my vision, but not necessarily the direction I wanted to head. And uh, Chris was looking at starting Way Niagara in August of last year, which I guess would have been 2021. And I said, I'm interested. And I said to him, look, I'm not in a mental state that I want to volunteer. I don't want to do anything. I just want to show up and just be a part of the church. And he said, yeah, that's no problem. Just come on board and we'll see what happens. And uh, I was dealing with a number of mental health struggles at the time. And we had someone coming to our church who was battling cancer. And uh, I was asked to pray for her at one of our groups. And while I was praying, I could feel the Holy Spirit just breaking down a bunch of the barriers I'd put up around my heart through all these years of struggle and dealing with the other jobs. Um, in that moment, I felt completely renewed really excited to see everything happening again. I could see the vision again. And that really led me to say to Chris, like, I, I think I'm ready to get back into this. And uh, we started looking at different denominations, fellowships, whatever you want to call them. We actually ended up taking a look at Anchor Ministerial Fellowship. Uh, Chris got his credentials through them first. And uh, at this point, he's my sponsor, is what they call it. So I'm discipling under Chris. But uh, that's yeah. that's really great. And and it's really interesting how lives intersect because so Steve and I have known each other for about 13 years. We were at a church together, and I remember him talking about some of the things that he saw for the future of the church. And I was intrigued and interested. And then we hadn't seen each other in quite a while. I had, he had been going through some different things. I had gone through different things. I had ended up hosting a podcast on mental health and getting into ministry as well. And then after this event that he was talking about, um, he called me last fall and shared his story. It was like a nice catch up. Like, where have you been all this time? Um, where are they now? Kind of thing. And he shared about way and, that was kind of my entry in. I had met Chris in years past as well, but I was very intrigued by the fact that this is a safe place to go through things and to openly state them. I don't know how many times I've talked to pastors 
church leaders that have not felt comfortable enough to make a statement. I was going through mental health challenges on a podcast or on a stage in front of people. But this is just a great demonstration of the fact that this is a safe place to do that. Mm -hmm. I'd say we're authentic and with integrity in everything that we do. That's some of our big focuses and it comes through in everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Our core values are community authenticity and creative outlet. So to find that people are connecting to the authenticity and, and approaching it with low anxiety, I think is an important thing for the church. Yeah. To keep people feeling like there's not a pressure to perform or to show up looking like this or to, to keep their mouths quiet about the things they're going through. Um, we're, we're, we're open. We want to talk. We want to journey with you. And if we're not journeying in honesty and integrity, what are we journeying? We're, we're living a lie and that creates more anxiety and more mental stress. And, and you'll feel lonely. Well, yeah. and when the lies are exposed, what does that make you look like? Yeah. 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 Well, and, and again, we're going to talk about the future of the church and that in other episodes, but I think it's very easy to say that there is a pastoral leadership crisis yes. in the North American church. Oh, yeah. And one of the things to that is that pastors have been put in a position where they have felt that they couldn't be authentic and they have allowed their struggles, temptations, and sin to stay underground for so long and then it bubbles up and something dramatic happens. But my question is, is what would happen if a pastor, church leader, and, and anyone, any person could feel like they could bring it up when it's just a thought or it's just a minor thing that we actually stop the trajectory before it actually grows to be the crisis that gets on the news. That's right. Yeah, like Chris can tell you, anytime I'm dealing with a struggle, the first thing I do is I tell my wife, and the second thing I do is I tell Chris. Yeah. Because I want to stay clear in what's happening in my life, and if there is a point where I need to step back for a day or two, I step back for a day or two. Yeah. And that's what I've really... I've looked for that kind of authentic community for many years. And I have found it in different ways, in different places, but this has been a really unique and a special um, season that I've been in being a part of this. And I'm just even more excited to go forward because I know that I don't have to try to impress anyone. That's right. I'm not trying to show off. I don't need to, you know, if I'm having a bad day, like, you have permission for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that we are having we sh- a bad day. We're having a bad day right yeah. together. And, uh, that's part of my, uh, my soul as an encourager is if you're having yeah. a bad day. I want to, I want to talk to you about it. Right. I, I want to be in it with you. And I love that about you. And this kind of goes well into my work now is that I've worked in churches and done different things, podcasting, but currently I'm working at crossroads, uh, Christian communications as a part of the prayer center team. And so every day I talk to dozens of people that are going through all kinds of different things. And so many times I'll ask the question, do you have a local church? And I'll get the answer. Well, yeah, but I don't really know who to call or I don't really have anyone I can, I feel like I I can safely talk to. And again, that's part of the burden here Mm -hmm. for the fact that we want to be able to bear each other's burdens together absolutely that's right and 
like we all have full agreement on that. And that to me is one of the most important things of what a church could look like. Yeah. And that's kind of what got me interested in being a part of this. And so Steve, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, um, no problem. And I shared a bit of, of my history. And so Chris, you've been a youth pastor, you've done some different things, but kind of where was your calling into ministry and kind of what brought you to this point? So I grew up uh, going to church with a church, my grandparents planted a wonderful church just around the corner from here actually called Lake Mount. Um, they were the founding family. Um, so I grew up kind of in that church world, that church circle. Um, you might say I was born with a property of uh, the church uh, tattooed on my butt or something right when I came out of the womb but the truth is I, I uh, was property of the um, the event more so than the the actual church uh, which I will obviously go on to define but uh, I felt like um, I grew up doing the programs and knowing the things but I didn't really know the Lord the way that you know I would grow to um, so it, you know, I was about, I think a nine or 10. I remember, I remember learning to pray, just like asking, asking God for stuff, but then getting past that and just being like, okay, God, I, I, I know that, you know what I need. Can I just vent here? And I was yeah. like 10, right? 10 or 11. Like, and I just remember this one night I was at service and it was a late service. Um, you know, and my grandpa had been leading worship and then, you know, came and sat down and. The pastor got up to preach and I just thought, wow, this guy's preached three services today. Like, I do not want this job. Like, <laughs> like, like I, you know, these guys have a hard job. They have to deal with all these people. And I, ca I came home and I, pr I remember praying, Lord, I, thank you that I don't have to be a pastor. <laughs> and then from that day forward, I felt the tug to become a pastor. Uh, so I kind of, I, I kind of feel like it was, uh, a recognition in me almost a like hey if the, in like a Jesus moment like a, if you can take this burden from me <laughs> but it's not my will but yours be done right and so I remember you know growing up uh, being in grade 11 and they, they put you into the counseling office and say well what do you want to do for your uh, you know future and I say I want to be a pastor and they're like oh we don't know what to do with you so I ended up doing co-op with uh, my church, which was a church plan at the time. Um, basically, my role was to become the youth pastor. So I started youth pastoring at 16. Uh, you know, we had quite a decent little youth crowd. We did all kinds of crazy things. None of us really knew what we were doing, but we just did, did the things together, got together, had group, had fun. We'd talk about Bible stuff, you know, and then time takes on and you go to Bible school. I went to Bible school and came back to that same church to kind of take on the youth role again through a new season and Steve came to be he just he helped me run that Steve and Sharon and we had just an incredible youth experience at this church that hadn't had anything quite like that in a while and uh, we actually had more youth in our youth group than they had adults in the Sunday morning component of the service which was pretty incredible and I've heard too that it's like you're, you're healthy if it like 10% of the church population is like high school students. That's right. And so you're saying that your youth group was bigger. Bigger than, bigger than yeah. Bigger than, yeah. So we'd be having more kids. Now we're talking junior highs and, and yeah. young high school. 
but we just kind of went, well, we're just going to open the doors and we're going to have chocolate bars and pizza and Kool-Aid or whatever the, the drink of the day was. And, and they just started showing up because there wasn't much else to do here in good old Smithville. Well, you might as well tell them how I think it was week two went. Week one and then week two. Yeah, well, week one we showed up. We're like, okay, here we go. We got this program dreamed up. And Kara and myself and Steve and Sharon, we showed up. And we had one kid. And Steve was, I don't know if it was Steve or somebody. I'm going to say Steve because I don't mind. Take, I'll take it. He'll take the hit. He'll take the hit here. Somebody named Steve probably said, oh, man, I think we're making a mistake here or something to that degree. And I remember like, or, or maybe it was like, hey, we should just go home, something to that degree or whatever. And I just remember the Holy Spirit rising up in me and going, no, we're going to do this. We're just going to stick this out. And I don't care if we're serving, if we're, if we're serving one kid or a hundred kids we're going to put on a quality night for that one kid. And so we, we put on a decently quality night. I mean, he had a blast. We fed him pizza and like, what more could you want, right, when you're a grade eight? Uh, and then the next week we showed up and it was kind of like we were, we were running close to the time because we run on Friday night after school, uh, after dinner. So we were coming. I think we'd gone out for food and then showed up at the church and there was a crowd of kids waiting. There was like 20 kids. And we're like, oh, what the, what happened here? And I just remember, like, I think it was Steve even was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that that was a that moment of you saying we're going to do this was a moment of, like, the gift of faith being active. Yeah. yeah. And, and we talked about it, like, together. And I think, you know, as me being, what, 21 at the time, Steve was, what, 18 then at the time. Like, yeah. we didn't really understand what all these things were what the gifts of the spirit and what even the gift of faith was, but that activated in that moment. Uh, and, and, and from then on, we would run 20, 30, 40 kids at this church uh, every Friday night. And it just grew and grew and grew to the point that I, I see kids who are now like are in this town in their thirties and they're like, Hey, you were our youth, youth pastor in junior high. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I do not remember you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, but their kids are in, uh, you know, their kids have kids in school with my kids now. So it's just, it's just neat to, um, to come back to Smithville and to bring something that Smithville, uh, needs because of all the seeds we sowed in the past decades, two decades, right? There was so much seed that we sowed, so, so many people's lives that we had spent time and energy and they were young. We invested in. Yeah, and now we're, we're back and we're, 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 we're coming for you, Smithville. We, we're, we're, but, but not in a, in a, a threatening, you know, <laughs> evangelistic way. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we want to do community with you. We want to journey with you and we want to see you thriving in yeah. life as the best humans that God created you to be. I love the phrase living life together. Yeah. 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 So that's my journey. I mean, I was uh, pastored at a couple other churches along the way, but, uh, you know, I, I got sick. I had a pulmonary embolism in 2019, September, 2019. So just prior to, to the pandemic. And, uh, I was planning to plant a church. I didn't know what it looked like. And then, I was knocked off my feet for six months while my body healed. I had almost died. Um, so the, the pulmonary embolism is like a heart attack in your lungs, basically. So I had six blood clots in one lung. 
so it had to heal from that. And then the day I got cleared to go back to work was the day that they announced the pandemic lockdown. And uh, so then Kara and I started dreaming. And I remember she asked, what are we going to name this church? And, uh, you know, we, we had looked at Acts 9, where it talks about Paul persecute or Saul, Saul, Paul, Saul, same dude, Saul persecuting the way. And it says that he, that he would, he was a great persecutor against the way. And I realized that the way was what the church was called, what Christians were called prior to the word Christian being, being used to describe their, their faith. They were called the way. And so that's where, where way church was birthed out of. And I remember us getting a humongous uh, piece of cardboard and putting it on the wall in our kitchen and letting our kids do art on it. But in the middle of it, we wrote way church because we, we would write all of our prayers on there. So every time we walked through the kitchen, which is like, you know, it's the hub of the house, right? Everyone would see our prayer requests because we're lockdowns. So we're praying for COVID. We're praying for the kids' friends and their teachers. And we're praying for for this way church to be birthed and whatever it looked like. And as we prayed for it, the more we prayed for it, the more the vision started to change from just, we're going to do a church and we're going to do it on Thursday night so that the people that work shift work or, or have hockey or sports families have a church that they can connect to. It shifted into something so much greater. It shifted into, uh, you know, doing groups and, and doing a bi-weekly service rather than a weekly service. And, and, and looking at our, our calendar, not as a seven-day-a-week thing but going well we have a month let's take a look at a month and and you know we want to do church twice we want to gather for worship twice but we're doing church in our homes we're doing three four five groups a week or or, or you know and they're running bi-weekly so you know when you when you take a look at all of the things that way has become it's all out of the shift and the pause that COVID made us take and, and made us stop to dream and think about what, what would actually serve the coming, uh, the coming new, uh, new generations, right? The, what we call the Gen Xers, the Gen Y and the Gen Z, right? Like millennials is the Gen Y. So what, what would serve those people the best? And this is what we dreamed up. No, I guess it was God's dreams, like, uh, you know, Joseph, but... Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, because... So, what I'm hearing is, had you not had these delays, and had there not been a massive shift in the world, the church that you were feeling called to plant would probably have looked more similar to a more... Traditional. Traditional style yeah. church. Yeah, because what happened was we felt God calling us out at the very beginning of 2019 from what we believe to be the, the one of the best seasons of ministry in our life. It was the most healthy for us financially. It was the most healthy for us with uh, relationships. Um, and it didn't seem like it had an end in sight, but the Lord called us out. And I remember us sitting in a, it was March break. We were in, a, in London in a hotel room and just feeling like, okay, this season's over. What does that mean for us? And, and Kara saying, God wants you to go back and plant church in Smithville. That your time for Smithville has returned. Um, so you need to go back home. And I remember when I left Smithville years ago, saying I'm never going back. Why would I go back? Right? We were looking to even buy out of Smithville, to purchase a house in Hamilton, and and then we ended up. You know, my grand grandpa's house came up for sale, and I'm like, I guess we're living in Smithville <laughs> still. 
right? And so here we are, you know, three years after that experience and saying, uh, wow, what a change. We, we knew what God was calling us to, where God was calling us to, and what God was calling us to do, but we didn't understand the scope. So for us, it was, well, we're going to partner up with another local church, and they're going to you know, help us launch this church in Smithville, and it's literally just going to be in every every Thursday night church, like show up in church service, and maybe we'll have small groups, and maybe we'll have kids programs. We don't know whatever happens, but we just want we had the idea in our heart that it needed to be Thursday night, and I don't know why. It just seemed like I do know why. I shouldn't say that. When I was a youth pastor in my last church, towards the end of the run, we were running some pretty great little youth services, and parents would stick around for those for the worship and for for the word because they weren't able to always make meaningful connection to the sunday service or it didn't match their schedule and so i realized more and more that there was a lot of lingering parents who were there to gather themselves for the worship and so when we'd be doing this wednesday night junior high or friday night there was a lot of these adult parents that were actually coming there to connect to what was happening um, because they needed, they needed that sense of worship and community that was lacking, and so for me, I realized, well, maybe we need to have a midweek church service, and so I looked. I just, I literally just looked at what is the best night for a church service, and all of the TV people had already done the work for me. Thursday night is prime time. You want the best TV spot? It's Thursday night. Why? Because most people are home watching their TV on Thursday night. So we were like, well, I guess we're going to do a Thursday night church because they did all the work. They, they statistically figured out Thursday night is the, the typical night where people have uh, holes in their calendar. So we said, well, we're just going to do that. Uh, there was no real reason for it other than it, it just made a little bit of sense and uh, the, the work was done for us. Uh, but here we are, and now we're recognizing, well, we don't even have to do service every week. We can do biweekly service. and. I just imagine the volunteers, right, that instead of having to do 52 services a year, they're doing 26 services a year. And we do once a month in the summer, right? So we're not even talking a full 26. Like, it's so much easier on your volunteers. So one of the, the languages that we're really using here is this idea of being a low-anxiety group. Like, if you want to volunteer here, there's not a lot of pressure to perform weekly or to, you know, there you have time to do family, you have time to do life. In fact, we want that to be your journey. Our, our mandate is to make sure you are empowered to reach your circles, the circles being the people that you journey with, uh, your neighbors and your coworkers, your family, your, your, the people that you bump elbows with at the grocery store. We want you to be available to those people. So, so how do we make a church community that does that? Well, that's what way is. And that, that, I love that because I know many of people, and I've been in seasons where I would work every Sunday. Like when I first started at, at Crossroads, I worked every Sunday morning. Now, most of that was during a lockdown period, so I couldn't go anyways. But there came a point where I'm like, there is nothing in this area that is offering an alternative to Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So I just don't get to do that right now. And then, ironically, when I switched to weekdays is when I came to Way. And so (laughs) it's like, okay, well, that turned out interesting. And you needed us the least. (laughs) No, but it's it's, it's good, right, to be able to think outside the box and to to say, like, we 
there are some key things that every church needs to have and needs to do. And there are some scriptural things like, yeah, the, you know, you think about Acts 2 and the, you know, focusing on the apostles teaching and the breaking of bread and prayer and, and all of those things. But there isn't a prescription no. to when, aside from the fact that they were gathering with each other every day. That's right. Absolutely. And so, but that doesn't necessarily mean in our context, gathering every day is not having to be at a church event function every day. What that also can mean is the fact that like Steve and I text mm-hmm. almost every day. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's keeping in touch with your community because we all live farther away. Like Chris is kind of in the middle of where the three of us live, but I'm nearly an hour to where Steve lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, how do we keep community in this, in this age when even with driving, there's bigger distances. And so I love the fact that like geographical distance doesn't have to distance us relationally. Yep. Absolutely. And we have the opportunity to still be the church all the time rather than just being Sunday Christians or just being Thursday Christians. And I know I've shared this with some people and they're like, wait, so what do you do on Sunday morning? <laughs> Sleep. Like, sleep in. <laughs> groceries. What do you do? I have kids. That doesn't happen. It's honestly the best yeah. day to do groceries. Yeah. And so it's, and yeah, it takes, I think, I think it had, had not, it not been COVID, that would have been a harder switch for me because I had done that my whole life. Yeah, same. But we are now emerging into a new reality, into a new world. And I remember thinking from the beginning of COVID, I was helping plant a church at the time in a different city. And I remember thinking to myself, there are going to be some churches that are going to take this opportunity to do something unique and new, and it's going to have the spirit breathed on it, or they're going to get back to their own old patterns as quickly as possible. Yep. And I've seen that in, I've seen both of those things play out. Some churches have stayed safe and done what's normal like what what has been known as normal or there have been others that have done radically different things and god can work in both settings i am not criticizing actually no absolutely yeah god can work in all of these different ways but i am very intrigued and excited to see how specifically way can be a part of that in this community of of niagara now, one last question I want to close on, because this is going to be the stumper that <laughs> that's, oh, gonna, that's going to get this nice. Let's go. thing to kind of close off. How do you want to be remembered? You know, that is a question that my mentor, Randy Cox, asked me this week. He said, a hundred years from now, where do you see way? And I said to him, yeah, in heaven. <laughs> uh, he And he said to me, no, 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 like... A hundred years from now, and when you're gone and the people are gone, how do you want Way to look? And so my answer is, I want to be remembered by Way. I want to be remembered by what I leave behind here, uh, the community that I build here. Um, and so I said to him, well, to answer his question first, a hundred years from now, I don't see it looking any different. But I do see it living at that intersection of faith and culture 
and adapting to meet the times and the needs for the people. Um, but to me, Way was birthed 2,000 years ago, and it looks just like the discipleship model that the apostles, you know, carried out as they're birthing the church. Um, so I can tell you, in 100 years, it's going to look the same because the church, the core ecclesiastical values of the church have not changed, you know, in 2,000 years, and that's what we're about: is living, living the church out, not not being the church as as. Is so cliched. Uh, I don't go to church. I am the church. No, no, no. You also go to church, but you also are the church. You, know, you take the presence of God with you. And so for me, I want a hundred years from now to be remembered that, hey, we were the audible, we were the visible presence of Jesus to the people around us. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And for myself, uh, this is actually something I've been thinking about lately, and uh, it's weird, but I kind of want to be remembered as being a mess that became more like Jesus. Yeah. Like, well, that's good. let that mess be something people remember, but they remember it because they remember the point that I reached, where I made it, where my goal was. That's, that's powerful. And it, it, it reminds me, of when I was in elementary school, I used to always win the most improved award. And it makes me think like, how terrible was I in September? Yeah. <laughs> but Come on now, it is September. But no, you know what? No. That's real. It's true. We all start somewhere and God is bringing us on a journey. And I think it's funny, the things that I would want to be remembered for now are the things that when I was like 18, I would have thought were the character qualities I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like being approachable and being faithful, being consistent, like those kinds of character qualities, being compassionate. Um, and I did a spiritual gifts test and maybe we'll talk about spiritual gifts at some point, but I did a spiritual gifts test when I was 16 and mercy and compassion we're rated the lowest yeah. on on the list. <laughs> and now I work on a prayer line. Yeah, so it's up. like God yeah. has a sense of humor. Yeah. And so I think just being like open and willing to yeah. to accept the call, right? And to yeah. do whatever is right for the season. Yeah, yeah. here am I, send me. Yeah. Send and, me. That, and one of the big the big the big thoughts that way is that we measure our metrics not by, you know, how much money is in the bank and how many butts are in the seats. Uh, but we measure our metric by the growth we see from September to that achievement award at the end of the year. You know, we, we want to see growth. We want to see humans growing uh, in their faith and in, in their expression of community. Um, that's the metric I'm looking for. That's really good. And we're going to have a more detailed conversation next time on the church, because as you've heard, from our hearts that way is a different kind of church. And so there's some different terminology and some different ways that we are doing things. And so join us next time as we talk about that. But for now, thank you, Chris. And thank you, Steve. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.